This is In the Ring with Sumo Heavy, a weekly e-commerce podcast with your hosts, John Suter, Bart Moraz, and Brittany Blackman. In the Ring features interviews with e-commerce leaders, as well as the latest news and strategies to give listeners actionable ideas and inspiration for their e-commerce businesses. The podcast is a production of Sumo Heavy, an e-commerce consulting firm with offices in Brooklyn, New York, and Philadelphia. Find us on the web at sumoheavy.com. This week, we have a very special episode. May 2020 is Sumo Heavy's 10th birthday, so we've got a candid conversation with the co-founders, CEO Bart Moraz and CTO Bob Brody. In the conversation, they discuss how they first met and the founding of Sumo Heavy, the early days of Magento, how they almost lost it all during that first year, and the trials and errors of pricing models, the current e-commerce landscape, as well as a discussion around platforms and tools. Enjoy the conversation with Bart Moraz and Bob Brody. Hey. Hey. What's up? What's going on? Oh, you know, just, uh, uh, it's been a few years. Uh, anyway, well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. So, uh, been a fun 10 years, buddy. Yes. Yes. Yes, it has been. It's been to say the least. It's been something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we talk about all the things we've done? How we changed? Sure. I mean, we started as a good old dev shop. I mean, we, we found each other through Will. Do people know who Will is? From Sierra Interactive. I hope <laughs> people know who Will is. I hope people know who Will is. Uh, if you don't, you should look him up. It's Will with one L. So that was a... You know, after multiple failed companies, I finally found each other. And we started this thing out of out of nowhere doing development work. Which is was Magento Magento was like out just now, right? Barely. It was barely, barely right. Yeah. Was it still it was still varying, wasn't it? Yeah, because I had it was like on my list of stuff. Well, I guess I was I was not at Everett's yet. I was still at S. Walter. And we were going on it, it was like a version right before 1.0, and we right. built on that and launched it, and that's when that's when we we met. Right, because we put um, what did we put? Um, you guys had Island Beach the, Gear. Yeah, we had Island Beach Gear, uh, which was part of Tackle Direct, which was out in Jersey, and that that's really who brought uh, Magenta to me, um, which is kind of crazy remember those days of magento where like nothing was documented <laughs> yeah so so 10 years ago 10 years ago i was at s walter and you were you were round three i was round three Ooh. it's funny because because originally we we wanted some help building on magento and found you guys and called you up and somebody was like, we don't do that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> and then and then we hired we hired Seer. I don't even know how much I can go into like what happened at S. Walter because a lot of that was like private equity and stuff. But um we yeah. Things things changed there, and I don't think we ever actually signed with Will. We brought him in, we were ready to sign, and I don't think it ever went through, which was unfortunate because Sears, awesome, and 
it, they would have been really great partner. And uh, I I got really frustrated over some of the changes that were happening. Um, I, I didn't get along with some of the new people there, some of the new leadership. I kind of begged Will for a job. <laughs> <laughs> and and he was just like, you know, I was like, I'll I'll do anything. Like your place is amazing. I'd I'd love to come work for you. And he said, but your your heart's not in SEO. He's like, but I, I think I know somebody I can introduce you to. So so that's when he I don't know if he gave me your email address, your number or something. I think my number. I remember that yeah. night. I was out with uh my friend Megan. And then I had a call. That's funny. I still remember that night. I mean, like, talk. I was like, oh, let me take a five-minute phone call. <laughs> 45 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And then what? Like, four months later, I basically had to start a company all over again because that failed. Um, and then we started a company together. And then four months after that, we moved in together. <laughs> and I, is- Yeah, because we did a project while I was at Walter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what were we doing? Oh, bird, the bird one. Yeah, the effortless bird feeder. Effortless bird feeder. Wow, that was a and that was a hell of a project because we had to like combine a whole bunch of video stuff in there, like ten years ago, into into Magento itself, which was what version one, something like, like that. One, 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 yeah, <laughs> one or one or one one, and, oh. and it was flash video. Oh yeah, flash video, man, that was a crazy one. And they had one um, product. And they had one product, and then we started other work. Um, at some point, somehow, I got a connection to Aria system, and then we got to work on Roku that first year, which was bonkers. Um, yeah, was that before or after we were Sumo? I don't remember. Oh, that was after. That was we were sumo at yeah. that point. Yeah, because we remember we we started doing the island beach gear stuff, and that was the that was still under the other company. And then we did the effortless like, bridge feeder, and that was the day like that was the time where like all right, well I guess we have to switch up because it came about at the same time. Yeah, still my favorite story like calling John, our uh, director of marketing. Um, and going, hey, I want to use this name for Sumo Heavy, and then calling you up is like, oh, you're a partner in Sumo Heavy, and you're like, okay. <laughs> As it is usually with me, I'm just like, you're just gonna do it. So we did it, uh, which was which is fun. Um, it, the weird part is like living together and then working from the same place every day. Strangely enough, like we worked. I would never recommend it for anybody. It worked for us, but I would definitely not recommend for everybody. Um, and then we moved around, man. It's weird, like 10 years, we like moved, got married, moved multiple times, moved offices multiple times, hired, fired, you know? It's just like very Yeah, so you figure after, after us, Walter, so we did that project. Mm-hmm. I left there and worked out of Everett's place. Yep. And, and, worked there full time but also worked on our stuff and they they were kind enough to let us use use the office so that was cool yeah and then once we kind of got to a point you and I sat down with them and we're like you know this thing's taking off we yeah, should probably probably focus on that full time 
I needed a new apartment. Your partner, your, your partner, not business partner, your your roommate was moving out. Yep. And then I moved in, and then the fun yep. started. <laughs> yep. And then we and then we almost lost our shirt that first year. <laughs> yeah. And the crazy uh, thing was that was only a year. That was only a year because I I moved in in May I think, and I met Kelly the next February in. Yeah. Yeah. You met your way 2012. Yeah. Yep. The funny thing is in that year, we almost lost our shirt, got out of it, uh, got an office space. <laughs> Remember the weird office space we got? Yeah. Because we had a whole bunch of people working at our apartment and then we got an office space and then like did a whole bunch of stuff. And then the year after you had to move to New York. <laughs> yeah. We moved to New York first because then in that timeline, so I lived with you for a year. Yep. Right. So, so from May 2011 to February-ish 2012, met Kelly, moved in. You got a different place. And then we got married in May because yesterday was our anniversary. Eight That's years. That's right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then oh. in September, we moved to New York and I just worked from home. And then you, when did you move to New York? Um, Later in 2012? Yeah, I think so. Because I was in New York for five and I've been back in Philly for almost two. So it would have been 2013 because it was springtime. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like 2013. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And then I moved to New York <laughs> and then was there for five years. And then you moved back. Yeah, and then we had how many WeWork offices in New York? We had... Oh, God. Uh, the original one, Varick, uh, Broadway, and then Dumbo. Yeah. Yeah. So we moved around a bunch there, every time getting a bigger and bigger office. <laughs> yeah. We have more and more people yeah. and just growing every client. Um, it was also a funny time because... When, when you were in New York, we got a client out in Philly, outside of Philly. So you had to go back to Philly a bunch of times. Yeah. And then in 2016, we moved back to Philly because New York was just getting like way too expensive for what we wanted. And then. Yeah. And then we got a client then in we New got York. A big client had to York. Yeah. Couldn't win. Um, let's talk about like how our world changed too in, in like the e-com space because we've been around it for a very long time. And in reality, like, Ecom was never interesting to me at all. I just like doing client services. Um, you know, my thing was always desktop support, you know, networking and things like that. Ecom is really just yours. You brought that in. Um, yeah, that whole thing is weird too. Mm -hmm. Like the way I got into that was I, I started, I was like a bus boy when I was 13. Won't say where because that'd probably get them in trouble. <laughs> and like for being 13, like it was interesting because you'd make a couple hundred bucks a week and it's like you were rich. And yeah. I got tired of it because it was like on school nights from like six till midnight. And that was bad. That's just that's just bad for a 13 year old kid. Yeah. And I left that, but I wanted money because I got used to it. So there was like a family friend, an, an older guy who sold. Um, you figure it was like early 2000s. So like co sports collectibles were still a thing. 
baseball cards were kind of on their way out, but like people were getting like the, the diecast trucks and stuff like that. And so I set them up with an eBay shop and made a website with links to the eBay listings in like front page. And he oh my God, was front page. Yeah. And, and so I'd take pictures of the products, make the pages, make the listings, put them up. And, you know, that was a couple years later. So I think it was like 15 or so. Mm-hmm. And I was making 40 bucks an hour. And I was like, well, e-com's cool because you can like see the results of what you're doing. But you can also, <laughs> the more the people you work for make, the more you can make. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, I like that. There's, there's like a real value to your time, which is the best, the best way to work. Yeah. I mean, it shows you real time. You know, it's not like a long term type thing. So, so you bring that to me because we started doing some e-commerce work, you know, as in the agency. I mean, we were taking on anything um, and it just, we just started focusing on e-com because really of you, not me. And then we went from just a dev shop charging almost nothing really hourly. Remember those days? Yeah. I think when we started, when we started, we were working for like 30 bucks an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. We had like barely enough. We could we could pay our rent. Sometimes we could pay the internet or we could pay our cell phones, you know. Right. Uh we basically survived on Bodhi coffee and dark horse meals. <laughs> and the car accident. And the car accident. Yeah, that's the weirdest part. You got a car accident, it got paid out and he just like shut the money out somewhere. Yeah. Thank thankfully everybody was okay. Hey, but that that could have been really messy, and and we were really lucky. Uh, and that was coincidentally the last time I owned a car. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I sold my car right before that. But yeah, in all that time, I actually now own a car again. It's there. Then we got more clients, just building Magento sites, and then we got into. I guess after when we got Pet 360 is where we really got into doing a lot more consulting work, right? Yeah, they were one? interesting. <laughs> they were they were pretty much our first our first really big client that wasn't a project. Because up until then we were doing one off projects, and some of them were big, and some of them were multi months, and we were dividing the payment up. But until then, we kind of started on projects, right? Project-based stuff, and then split it up over monthly payments. And yeah, it, it was all right. Um, but that was the day, that, we that was right before, that was after, Pethrosis was after Bonobos, right? Because we got Bonobos at that oh, time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a few years after that. Yeah. And And we finally hit the situation where the projects were getting bigger and bigger. And the problem was, one, the first year when we when we almost didn't get paid and the and then later on when one of our clients was like well we appreciate that you built these features and reports but we decided we're not going to use them yeah we're not going to use them so so we're taking those off of the bill and (laughs) that was kind of a real turning point for us after that we started to do um we got into retainer work and consulting yeah, it was a weird retainer. We were doing like those buckets of hours where like uh-huh. you could pay us hourly, you could pay us a bucket of hours for a discount, but then we had to build our own like statement system because nothing 
I think off the shelf that was web based was really doing it. Yeah. And so then we would like have this weird thing that sent statements with all the tickets and the related work and nobody cared and it was a pain. And so that's when you started to kind of figure out how the real retainer stuff could work and we figure out our margins and how much average time and, and all of that and and then one day I just said this is what we're doing, work backwards. Yeah, and, and we try it out. And so basically it put the the burden of, of time tracking on us to to just make sure our margins are good, but also people saw the value. So so we got um I don't know that we should talk about the clients and who was retainer and who wasn't, but um, you know, we kind of got our first real retainer and it made for the best relationship. Not not just at the business level, but for internally, they treated us like employees. You, we were, and and they were really nice to our devs because they were involved all the time. They were really mm-hmm. nice to us. We'd go on site a couple times a week, and it it was really great. And and we were with them until um, they made acquisitions and they were acquired and and were really there until the the end. And it was it was a nice ride. Um, yeah, I I mean, to be fair, 100% of our clients now are retainer based and we stuck with it, stuck to our yeah. guns to it. Um, you know, it it's always an interesting conversation with a potential client um, because it just takes them out of the whole because they're comparing apples to apples and we're totally different. Um, you know, and we really stick to our guns on a retainer model um, as much as I sometimes want to go around it. I don't just because I know what that what the other side looks like and I don't like it. So that's, that's really there. And then we just kept them signing up bigger and bigger clients. And this is now it's eight years later and we're doing this. Um, do you think if we did it differently, like actually partner up with all these platforms and do it hourly and, you know, we'll be bigger than this. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Would you do yeah. it over? No. <laughs> no. Me neither. I like it that way. I mean, you look at we have we have a lot of agency friends, right? And you look at the ones who who made all these mm-hmm. partnership deals and stuff, and they they got really big. Some of them took out loans because they couldn't keep up with the growth, and they had to grow faster and faster and faster. But they never made money. They all end up getting acquired. You know, they all actually they all end up getting aqua hired, which is th- the worst. <laughs> That's like the yeah. worst of all options. I mean, some got paid out, but it's never big, right? It's like running your own yeah, thing. And they never really around. seemed happy. No, no, they don't. And uh, I mean, we have our own struggles, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being where we are and what we do. I mean, we definitely have a lower growth, but, you know, kind of define growth. You know, every yeah. time you put, tell people like our margins are nice, they're steady. Are we growing fast? No, and I like it that way. When when we talked to people at at the BizDev camp, they they didn't believe our march. Like they they told me you are lying, <laughs> and because because a lot of the hourly guys are making one percent or two percent, and you, you just can't live on that. No. Then you have to, then you farm your your dev out to to folks that you just might not might not give you the quality that you need and then you churn clients and you're going through all that churn and constantly on the hunt for one or two percent when you could have 
fewer clients, have five clients, 10 clients, and and make more than one or 2% and actually have a good relationship, like that's way better. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. To have, to have clients where where people internally go to bat for you and, and talk to the managers and, and then you start to talk to executives and you grow in your roles there, like they're, that's way better than doing the same thing over and over for 20 years. I think that's the thing that keeps me sane, right? Is if you look at what we do today and you, you look at what we did 10 years ago, like all of our roles have changed a lot and, and it really helps our internal people grow too. Yeah. I mean, we did it with, you know, 10 years ago, we just kind of put it together as much as we could. Now it's like yeah. there's defined roles. Like, you know, to be honest, sometimes I don't know what's going on daily with stuff because I'm busy with my own things that have to get done. And we have plenty of people like our top management knows what they're doing and we don't have to worry about it. And if you you look at the growth of, of the people here, especially like Pat and Melissa, look at, look at how their roles have changed and how much trust we have in them, just implicit trust, like to know that whatever they do, it's the right decision. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you, you don't have that everywhere. It's it's no. nice. <laughs> we have their back. Like that's just how we roll, right? Yeah. Um, so about ecom, sort of the whole ecom sphere of things. How do you think it changed? I mean, for uh, platforms to like what people use and like, is it? It has changed over ten years. Yeah, I think it's kind of weird now. I think a lot of people just don't know <laughs> what to do. Yeah. There's there's like not enough coverage for. For that, you have Shopify, Big Commerce, and those guys, right? Uh-huh. And and they're great for a lot of people. Then you have Magento and Oracle and IBM and all the big guys, and they're great too for what they do. Yeah. But there's still no middle ground. No. And so we w- we went from a place where there was like kind of nothing and everything was super technical, and you had OS Commerce and Xcart and all those things that were rough to having the small stuff and the big stuff, but there's still no real middle ground. And I think that's why there's so many SaaS products now. And I think it's starting to shift towards so much more modularity and that's not gonna stop. Yeah. Is it like more modular, more like microservices, or is it just people were hey, that's to... that's kind of a deeper layer to it. Yeah. Um, I think that because there's so much acquisition and and turnover, and I I think that people people get a little anxious because on something like Shopify or BigCommerce, you don't have control, and their roadmaps aren't always as legitimate as they propose, and then you have something like Magento acquired by Adobe where you used to have complete control and now uh, nobody really knows what's next. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's there's there's always a surprise and it's they're all great platforms. That's not to say anything bad about any of the platforms. But not knowing what next I think is kind of forcing people to think a little bit how much vendor lock-in they want. Yeah, And so it's starting to get into this camp of we see people uh, building tools of their own. And we also see other people kind of splitting out functionality into third parties. So you might have 
one thing, one service to handle returns, another one to handle your cart, another tool to handle your CMS, which is interesting. That's that modularity. And then some of the bigger guys are just building their own at this point because 10 years ago to build a cart and have security, it, that was tricky. You know, everybody says, use a framework, don't build your own, don't roll your own. And now we've kind of gone from frameworks to libraries and that's that's something a lot of people push for now is right. Don't don't build a framework, build a library. Where if you want to build a, a shopping cart, it's so easy to build nowadays that you even see it's kind of the base for people to get you to use their platform, right? So right. you figure like Microsoft, they want you to use uh, .NET Core. So what do they do? They build an example shopping cart not necessarily the whole CMS to go with it or OMS or anything like that, but a sample shopping cart with microservices that can hold products, orders, customers, whatever. And that's kind of the example that you get. Right. And so now if you want to build something in Node or .NET or PHP or Rails or whatever you want, you, you can do it on your own and add the pieces you need over time. So a lot of the a lot of uh, our bigger clients are doing that now and kind of getting away from vendor lock-in and building their own because it's just between cloud hosting being so inexpensive and all the tools being there with the security built in, it's just, it's easy. Yeah, I mean, if you really think about it, Shopify is technically just a cart and a checkout, right? For the most part. Yeah. To add features and stuff like that. You still have to do plugins and all the things they do. I mean, obviously the catalog and all that, but like that's what they're they've been doing for a while. Yeah. And it it's interesting to see how they refuse to deviate from 80/20 even for even for plus customers. Yep. You could have a very large plus customer and they Shopify will not let them drive the roadmap. That is that is not how they operate. Yeah. And so it, it's interesting to see people go on plus for the scalability, but then hit fundamental issues that they just they need to change their business processes around for the tool rather than adapt the tool to their business processes, which that's where that's where we see frustration, especially in yeah. the accounting realm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that drives me nuts. Like don't push the tool. It's 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 what's the best tool for the client, not the opposite. What's the you know what's the best client for the tool? I just never seen that. Like I guess Shopify, there's good clients for it, but I just never seen that as as a as a play, um, which we've been against since forever since we started. Like it's the best solution for each client at that moment, you know, and looking beyond. So that's been that's been definitely a guiding thing. Um, in the style of in a ring, uh, fun questions for you. Uh, what are you currently obsessed with? Doesn't matter what it is. Me personally, yes, or, yes. or like personally, the people yes, on you. the call. No, 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 you, you personally. Oh, Good question for you. Um, oh, I, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. Wishing we could play outside. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's wishing. That's not being obsessed about something. My used to be uh, um, this uh, spicy chicken inside of a waffle out in Jersey. 
<laughs> it's literally that that's what I was obsessed with for a while. You know, I know not to steal food, but probably probably fajitas, which is funny. It Kelly found a really good fajita recipe and we've been making it more than once a week. Time. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's really good. It's healthy and it's like I, I could just eat a thousand of them. It's so good. So anyway. Fajitas yeah. are good. That's I that's a good answer. My <laughs> wife just went, mm, doing something. Yes. Good job. Good job, sir. We'll send it to you. It's really good. It's really good. Awesome. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and the last question, since we're just, you know, doing this together, uh, what was the last thing you bought online? The last thing I bought online was a microphone, which did not come in time for this. <laughs> hey, man, it's okay. We're just doing this. So, well, sir, it's been 10 years. Um, too many more. So I got, hopefully yeah, we can play outside more definitely. and more and more. Oh, I know. The world's got to gotta get together and get better. <laughs> get together. <laughs> got to calm down. <laughs> right now it's yeah, we fire. All... Yes. Yeah, we got to put out the fire and get to the point where we can enjoy some sunshine. Be nice. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of In the Ring. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Bart Moraz and Bob Brody. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and tell a friend or two. This podcast is a production of Sumo Heavy, an e commerce consulting firm with offices in Brooklyn, New York, and Philadelphia. The podcast is produced and edited by me, John Suter, with production assistance from Brittany Blackman. If you have any comments, suggestions, or recommendations for future guests, reach out to us on our social media at Sumo Heavy. And finally, if you'd like to learn more about Sumo Heavy, check us out on the web at sumoheavy.com. We'll see you next week in the ring.